from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to All My Fantasy Children. My name is Aaron Katana Saez, and this week we have a special episode for you titled Tales from a Senior Wizard. You see, the world of fantasy stems from who we are, the people we love, the places we live in or visit, and even small things we often overlook. We want to share with you all the fact that there is magic in everyday life, and to find it, all you have to do is look. Jeff and I love this podcast and this world we're building, and so we wanted to share with you some stories that are inspired by moments in our life. Enjoy. And if you hear a humming in the background, please know that it's my air conditioner. Don't you want me to not melt in the summer? Dad's Diary, Entry 1 My life was a confusing one. Ever since I can remember, someone else has made decisions for me. What I studied, who I made friends with, when I was supposed to smile for the crowds, and when I had to frown during declarations. I can't remember a single time in my life ever making an actual choice. See, that house was my entire world as a child. The entirety of my young life happened within the walls of the manor. So you can imagine why I'd want to sneak out as often as I did. Once I passed through the patch and hopped the gate, I could breathe. Not just take a breath, but really breathe, you know? The air of the city would just ignite me, make me feel like I could be whatever I wanted to be, make my own choices, and for once, smile. Although smiling did provide its own challenges. See, everyone on my dad's side has this gold tooth, and it lets everyone know that they're part of our grand lineage or whatever. Of course, it got passed down to me, and let me tell you, this gold tooth brings me more trouble than anything when I'm outside of the house, so I try to smile as little as I can. I try to speak as little as I can, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do to get by out there, but you see how this puts a damper on my whole be whoever I want to be and make my own path thing? Because I will always be a gourd. This tooth reminds me of that every day. Anytime I'm outside in the city, it reminds me that, no, this isn't your world. You should probably get back to the manor now. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong, it comes with some pretty kick-ass bennies, though. But if I'm being honest, and I am being honest, I promise you, I hate everything about the person I'm becoming. As a kid, I used to want to be a hero. Stupid, I know. But when you're not allowed to have friends, comic books are a pretty sweet escape. But yeah, I always wanted to do the right thing, not the easy thing, you know? Just kind of don't know where to start. So I never did start. Always feel like I'm waiting for something to happen. Hoping that something will click in me to wake up and be the person I want to be. But hey, sometimes you're just dealt the cards you're dealt and you can't change fate. Well, here is hoping though. Maybe one day I'll play this back and it'll kick me in gear or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, I'll stop the tape. Our next story is Sitting on the Lake. It takes a certain kind of person to sail to the center of the River Nexus, not with a destination in mind, but just to sit there at the center of the lake as the sisters swirl around you, whispering honeyed lies in your ear, and just to sit there and just to watch. For most people, the dangers of the lake and the dangers of the sisters and the dangers of the lies 
The River Nexus is a waypoint. It is a place on the way to a destination. But for the person that goes and sits at the heart of the lake, at the center of the River Nexus, where all roads converge, there is something to be seen that no one else will ever see that those people that see it as a journey, as a waypoint, as a destination will never experience. You see, the thing about the River Nexus, where all roads converge, where all of the water in the world converges and folds and flows through this one central spot, this gathering point where all of the space in the world meets, for a few minutes a day, when the waters of the Chrono flow splash into the heart of the River Nexus, all of space doesn't converge, but all of time does as well. And for those few minutes, when the sun crests below the hills on the horizon of the river, you can see the sunset. You can see the sunset wherever you look. Because you can see the sunset at the center of the river Nexus, when the sisters swirling around you, when their whispered words and lies form a humming backing track, a soundtrack to this mysterious moment. You see the sunset wherever you look. You see hundreds of sunsets, cresting over every hill, mountain, valley, tree, the sun sets again and again and again and again and again and again and again, and it... You see it all converge, and you see it all meet this space, because every sunset in fantasy is happening here and now at the same time. This is not a magic that can be captured, this is not a magic that can be bottled and sold, this is not a magic... This is not the flowing waters that can be commanded with a baton and a sacred oath. This is the random happening of the flowing of waters and the flowing of time and, and the magic of being in the right place at the right time and of doing nothing. And of sitting and watching and waiting and knowing that something truly unforgettable is going to happen here. Most people will go through the River Nexus and, and not stop, do their business, make it to their destination, and depart. Even those who settle on the lake and will eventually build a, a town, a village, a society, they won't sit in the center, they will Look to the lake as their surroundings and nothing more. It takes a certain kind of person to go out on that lake and sit and watch. But for that person, for that soul who will make that decision, who will take the action of an action and sit and experience, they will feel a magic unlike anything there is in fantasy. The next story is titled, The Fountain and Berdin. In the busy city of Berdin, in a small park where the common folk gather, is a fountain. It's far from extravagant. It's a wall where four small waterfalls lead to a pool below. 
Each waterfall is only about one and a half feet wide, and there is about three feet between each one. The falls are not the interesting part of the fountain. It is what lies just above the mouths of each waterfall. Four circular crests, each with an intricate design carved into them. Carved in a way, though, that would imply that there are pieces missing from them. And so the common folk of Berdin stand at this fountain, play in its waters, and look up at the beautiful crests, and look up past the crests, and see the majesty of Shadestone Keep, a castle where they dare not enter, well, where they could not enter. For you see, Berdin is a small city that sits under the shadow of the enormous Shadestone Castle. The city is ruled by a mysterious and paranoid monarch. The castle itself is protected by a spell that repels anyone who does not possess a Shade Shard, a small piece of dark crystal that is awarded to trusted servants and advisors, but most importantly, the barons of Berdin. These barons are the personal protector of the monarch of the castle, and they have vowed to keep the monarch and their treasure safe and away from those who would wish to steal it. They do not know what the monarch's treasure is, but nonetheless the barons will keep it safe at any cost. They are four. They are united. The monarch gives them a place to call home. They keep their castle safe. A baron walks the streets of Berdin on this day. They have themselves a day at the town fair, a festival marking 2,000 years of peace and safety and the beauty of the Fountain of Berdin. Just as they take their mark at the starting line of a three-legged race, something is wrong. Something deep in the baron tells them that there is unrest within the castle. Kaboom! A wall on the west side of the castle explodes and rains debris in the town below. How could anyone have gotten past the barrier of the castle? What is it they would want from our small kingdom? The treasure of the monarch. Surely it wasn't something worthy of an attack. Then again, the baron had never thought to even ask about what the treasure might be. But yes, they were under attack. The battles within the castle were bloody and terrible. The beings the barons faced in battle possessed immense strength and cunning. They were overwhelmed. All but two of the barons were wiped out, left to protect the monarch, standing in front of the great vault. They came for the treasure, of course. The monarch stood before the beings and pleaded for them to take everything in the castle but the treasure. For the monarch, there was no mercy. They were dispatched. The two barons had no choice but to fight their way out of the room and run. They reached the castle gate, bloodied and exhausted. One baron ran onward. The others stopped dead in their tracks, lowering the gate in front of them. Leave Shadestone Castle. Run as far as you can. Tell every person who will hear about what happened here tonight. The baron cried out for them to lift the gate, but they instead drew their blade and charged toward the enemy. They were buying them time. And so one lone baron ran from Berdin, the sole survivor of the attack on the city. Our next story is titled, The Founding of a Town. The most beautiful smell in the world is flowing water. To me, anyway. <laughs> the most incredible sound, the thunderous orchestral sound of a waterfall. This is my favorite place on fantasy. And I've been a lot of places. No, it's not as massive as the Vistas Falls of the Hollyhampton Foothills. Its base isn't as crystal clear. But to me, this here waterfall outshines all others. Nowhere else, baby, can you find something as stunning 
The way the massive vines of bright green weave in and out of the water as it crashes down on them. Come on now. Have you ever seen an emerald? Well, when the sun hits that water and it bounces off those wet leaves, I swear. Whew, I swear that ivy is more beautiful than any emerald in the world. So I'm staying. I'm not moving on. Not heading back. Think I'll just settle right here next to this old waterfall. Folks want to join me in spending their days painting, crafting, and marveling at the Emerald Ivy? Well, that'd be welcome to stay, too. Make ourselves a new little home. The next story is titled, A Seasonal Town. A village of ice and snow. The beings who inhabit it are among the happiest in all the world. They do not create great monuments, forge weapons of legends, or become heroes of myth, no. If you were to come across this village during the season when the weather wasn't just right, you'd see nothing. Empty homes, ball fields, plazas, restaurants, a ghost town. You see, the residents of this town can only live when the cold season is at its peak. The frost grows and the wind bites. They rise. A community of cold folk, snow folk, ice folk. They have never named themselves, for you see, their lives are sadly rather short. When the weather changes and the warm winds blow, the residents of this town meet their end. But do not be sad for the snowfolk, Junior Wizard. Their lives, albeit short, are by far the happiest in all of fantasy. Days are happier spent together as a community, playing, laughing, exploring, knowing that their lives can end with the changing of the winds. Our next short story was inspired by a prompt from Princess Cimmerine that I wrote in my notebook. The city that sank. The spotted bay. A body of water named for the thousands of enormous black stones that rise from the waters. The great mystery of the spotted bay is the fact that the stones appear to have been crafted by master masons, not simple chunks of rock. Even greater a mystery is the guardian of the bay. A small stone statue of a young person their arms folded across their chest. Their face tells a story of sorrow. The Spotted Bay is far from any town or city, and no history book speaks of its having any importance. So who crafted the Guardian of the Bay? What is the explanation behind the black stones in the water? Well, beneath the waves is where the truth is found. For anyone brave enough to swim down under the depths, you would see the Guardian sits atop a great spire, connecting to a grand keep whose passageways lead to a great city beneath the waves. Our final tale is titled, The Cook and the Librarian. I swear those waves are calling to me. Every time I turn away from the sea, the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end, you know? Like something is sneaking up on me. I don't know what it is. All I know is that this job isn't enough. From the hot stove I spend nine hours in front of, I can still steal glances past that asshole chef and out the window. Ah, those glances. Those quick glances at that ocean. Only thing that makes the job a little easier, let me tell you. Cooking at the hottest restaurant in Moon Crescent is not easy work. Don't get me wrong, I'm proud of the work I do and the life it provides for me. But it's those glances that pull my mind away. I've always loved the water ever since I was a kid. My dad would take me down to the beach, and I would just stand waist-high in the water for hours. Just being near the sea, looking at it, feeling the tides, just made me feel like I belonged somewhere. Like a fit. You ever feel that way, stranger? Like you had a place that made you feel like you were at home? 
Well, that's right here for me. Clocked out, sun going down, waist high in the water like when I was a kid. Speaking of, you from here? (laughs) No. Ah, it's okay. So when I was a kid, I used to get these letters every day, right? First thing in the morning, every day, it was really something. A fish or an owl or an owlfish, something new every day. (laughs) Would show up in my room and deliver me a letter. Now, if you don't remember, you must not be from here. Sort of a moon crescent thing, I guess. This letter man used to blow my dang mind. I would rush, you know, like a kid does, and rip this thing open. Inside it, I can't explain it, would be some words that were exactly what I needed to hear. No matter what was happening in my day, good or bad, this letter would give me what I needed to get me going in the best direction. See, as a kid, I didn't know who was penning the dang things. I just knew I loved them, you know? As I got a little older, I found out it was the dang (laughs) Paraloon. Can you believe that? I still, to this day, don't understand how she wrote all these letters in that tower. Must have had some gnarly hand cramps. (laughs) Man, I relied on those letters for everything back then. And boy, when they stopped, I didn't know how to feel. It sucked, frankly. (laughs) I guess I relied on that lady for everything. You know, when you're a kid, you don't understand the more complex things about life. But I know I hurt. I hurt for a while. Just felt like I was wandering. Looking for someone to tell me where to go and how to feel about that journey, I guess. Sounds dramatic, but hey, I was sort of a dramatic kid. I thought of the Paraloon as Mama. She looked after me when I needed it the most. Mentored me to become who I am today. She taught me that sometimes life doesn't go the way we think it will. And that's okay. Always look to the sea, she'd say. Your fate can change as quickly as the tides. So here I am, standing in the same water that I stare at from my tiny window past the chef. After the work, the struggle, the angry chefs, the low times, the high times, I stand in the sea where I feel I fit. Man, I wish I could have met her. Just to thank her, you know, or something. Tell her that every joy in my life is thanks to her, and that whenever I look out at the sea, I think of her. She's like my ma, after all. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I'm I'm sorry, did I say something to upset you? Oh, I'm sorry. I just caught, caught up in this spot and started talking, you know? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm so rude, I haven't even introduced myself yet. Named Samuel Starwell. Best uh, cook in all the Moon Crescent. <laughs> Lumina? That's a beautiful name. Ah, uh, you would have loved the Paraloon. I just know it. Well, that about wraps it up for our special Tales from a Senior Wizard episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and write a quick review on iTunes. It is tremendous in the growth of this podcast. Subscribe on Pumpcatcher, iTunes, whatever you got to do. Um, if you want to submit a prompt to our show for future use in an episode, there are lots of ways to use it. You can tweet at us. You can use the prompt submission form on our super cool website. There's lots of cool ways you can get your ideas to us. Don't forget to listen to Jeff's other show, a two-player uh, actual play podcast, Party of One podcast. You can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. Really go listen to that. It's a great resource for getting new um, – finding new games and learning about new creators – I listen to it to kind of push myself down more of a tabletop road 
And Jeff's show is a really great resource if you just want to learn more more about tabletop in general, new games or new creators and where you can find them. Uh, Party of One Podcast is a great resource for that. All My Fantasy Children is proud to be part of the One Shot Podcast Network. If you liked All My Fantasy Children, and I know that you did, uh, try Asians Represent, because Asians Represent is fucking god-tier stuff right there. Uh, Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, or representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other to the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. I cannot stress enough how good this show is. Um, if you're tired of learning about games and creators who are just white guys with beards, um, perhaps listen to Asians Represent. Not perhaps. Do it right now to learn about people in the gaming community uh, who represent the Asian community, which is incredible. The, the show is so good. It is so informative. And it's so wonderful. It's so positive. You need to get on this now. Um, verbal hug this week. Um, for me to you, uh, someone who is going to edit this, it's 9.55 a.m. as I'm saying this, and I'm probably going to have it out in two hours. You can do it. I, I believe in you. Um, there's going to be a lot of times where you got to dig deep sometimes and, you know, close your eyes and be like, oh, God, I'm overwhelmed and stuff like that. But you can do it. Got your back. Don't forget to enjoy the making the process. You know, I didn't put too much pressure on myself for this episode. I tried to enjoy it as much as I could. And it was very cathartic to uh, make kind of our own fan fiction episode. So even when, like, you know, it feels overwhelmed, check in and see if you're making something and you're loving the creation process. You know, keep checking in with that. Take your own pace. Do things at your own pace. Unless there's a literal deadline that gives you money, don't create one for yourself. Don't make some kind of deadline or pressure on yourself to make the things that you love. You know, uh, make it because you're enjoying it. So I'm trying to do that right now, and you you can do it. I have your back. Um, you know, if you're ever feeling like overwhelmed and oh my god, I have to be making more things, know that the person whose podcast you just listened to uh, feels the same way and is actively trying to work against that. So you're not alone in this struggle, but you can fucking do it. You totally can. It's fun. Make the things you love because they're fun as fuck. I'm going to enjoy editing this and possibly writing a few quick tunes in a couple hours. So I love y'all. Um, thanks for listening to all my fantasy children. This podcast means we don't talk about it enough, but like it means the world to us. We love making this show and we love our listeners. Um, so come hang out with us in the discord and chat with us. Uh, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Until next time, good night and good game. Mm-hmm.